Good morning, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Woo! It's great to be gathered together this morning, and uh, it's great that you're here. It's great that we can celebrate together. Uh, I love Thanksgiving, and it's not just because of the food, Pastor Corey, okay? Just... <laughs> Just so you know, it's not just because of the food. It's an opportunity to give thanks together. And I love this time of the year. And there's a Christmas in the air. The leaves are colorful. There's things coming that, the white flaky stuff that we won't talk about yet. But um, we're very excited about the season that we're in. And as you've noticed when you've come in, the room has kind of transformed a little bit. I saw some of you come in and do the... Where's my seat thing? So this is, this is kind of a good opportunity to shake things up just a little bit. Um, as you see, there's some tables set up in the middle, and uh, we're going to be doing communion as part of this celebration today. A little bit later, we're going to do it family style because uh, we just believe in family and how important that is. And so I'm looking forward to that. Very exciting. Have you ever noticed that people seem to be searching for something? That, that, that people have a tendency, there's a hunger, there's a desire for something more. It, it's, it's that need to be satisfied in some way. And it drives people in so many different directions. Some, some look for that fulfillment, that, that, you know, that satisfaction in success and achievement. And the, in, they're, the, you know, they're, they're committed, they're devoted, they're focused. They're those go-getter, A-type personalities. They just seem to to, to want to achieve and they find fulfillment in that. Others, it might be experiences that, that they try to fill the void with that, and those experiences get more and more extreme. Those are the guys that, and girls that show up on YouTube and you're watching something and going, you are absolutely insane. That's crazy, right? It's just that extreme sense of trying to do something, even to feel anything. And we see it in our culture. Some some, uh, some choose substances to soothe their soul. Like there's things that they reach out to and, and sometimes that becomes in excess and it becomes detrimental and can become even personally harmful and lead to addictions. Some, it's relationships. Some, it could be position. Some, it could be power, prestige, spirituality. But there, we seek these different things. We try to fill this void inside. There's a book in the Bible in the Old Testament called Ecclesiastes, and it was written by Solomon, who was, you know, purported to be the, you know, wisest man that ever lived. And, uh, but he had over 700 wives, so I'm not sure how that qualifies. But anyway, just say it. Um, not that 700 husbands would be any better, just, but Ecclesiastes and in, in chapter 3, verse 11, he makes this incredible statement that I think brings a little bit of context to, to what I've just said. In, in chapter 3, verse 11 of Ecclesiastes, it says, Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. And he has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. Yet God has made everything beautiful for, his, for its own time. And he's, a planet, he's planted eternity in the hearts of people. Even so, people can't figure it all out. There's a unique aspect to being human that makes us aware that there's more to life than just existing. There's more to life than, than you know, what we can touch and what we can see and what we can measure. I mean, I mean, you get that. I mean, those things, you know... 
things begin to quiet, you take a moment, you reflect in those moments when the noise comes down a bit and you realize and you start to question, you realize that there's something about us that goes beyond what we can see and feel. And I, I would argue that we are designed to search. I would argue that, that God, it's intentional that God has created, he's put that eternity in our hearts in the hopes that we will actually respond to that in a way that we will search out and actually, eventually, find God himself, find our creator. It's that innate, I'll say, hunger that we have for the transcendent, for that which is beyond us, for God himself. And I believe that God has put that hunger in our hearts. And I pray that we could find him through that. And I would argue that the most fulfilling life, the most satisfied, the most um, substantial life, the most rewarding life, a life that withstands the challenges and trials of everything that comes with life, is built on our relationship with God through Jesus. There's a foundation, there's a, there's a sense of something that's immovable. Isaiah, a prophet in the Old Testament, bless you. Who, who wrote a letter like hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. In Isaiah chapter 28, verse 16, he says this in the, in the New Living Translation. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm laying a foundation stone in Jerusalem. And a firm and tested stone. It's a precious cornerstone that is safe to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. And of course, speaking of, of Jesus, this is the prophet Isaiah. I'm placing a foundation stone in Jerusalem. A safe stone to build on. Whoever believes need never be shaken. Let's take a moment and pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, for who you are. Lord, we're, we're just, we come in an attitude of thanksgiving this morning and celebration and just thanking you for who you are. But God, I pray for a fresh revelation of who you are. Lord, I pray for a fresh sense of who you are, God, and who we are in you. God, I just pray that your word will come alive. Lord, that as we build on you, that we do find that fulfillment that is only found in you. That the hunger of our hearts, the hunger of humanity's heart, would actually find satisfaction in you this morning. And I pray you be glorified in, it, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the message this morning is called My Faith. My Faith. And it's the first of a three-part series. Um, my Faith, My City, My Church. Any, any guesses where that came from? <laughs> my Faith, My City, My Church. Now, when we start to talk about faith around here, that, that often can mean several different things. We can, we can talk about faith here this morning, and it's this gathering of people, as in, we're faith. We oftentimes, like, I'll answer the phone, yeah, hello, this is Pastor Glenn, thanks for calling faith. And so, faith is kind of who we are. So that's one aspect of faith. Another aspect of faith is kind of from the, the dictionary definition of faith, which would be complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So faith is that confidence in something in, in first, uh, yeah, the first one. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for 
It's the evidence of things we cannot see. So that's that classic definition of faith, that hope, that evidence of things hoped for, that things not seen that come to pass. Faith, believing that it's there. It is also used, sometimes, faith is used as a word to describe our relationship with God or religious affiliation. It's not uncommon to hear someone say, you know, I am of the Christian faith. So that faith is, is another aspect of it. It's a way to talk about our religious belief. So in considering all of that myriad of different ideas of what faith is, let me ask you this morning, where is your faith? I know that's a loaded question. It's like, okay, where's he going with it? How do I answer this? Where is my faith? Is he talking about where I'm going to church? Is he talking about what I believe? Is he talking about, you know, like, what's he talking about here? Where do you place your complete trust or confidence? What's your, what's your point of reference in an ever-changing world? And I'm not talking about your parents' faith. I'm not talking about your spouse's faith or your church's faith, but your faith, your faith, my faith, the personal faith that we call our own. It comes down to the fact that, that one day we will all stand before an almighty God. And in that moment, he won't ask you about your neighbor's faith. He won't ask you about your mother's faith. He won't ask you about somebody else's faith. His question will basically be, what have you done with my son, Jesus? It's, it becomes personal. And, and I want to declare this morning, just for the record, that, that my faith, my faith is in Christ. My, my faith is, is in him. My faith is in his word. My faith is in him. The message of the gospel has come alive for me. And it, has, and it did that many years ago. And it has not been easy. It has been not been a smooth ride. It's been all anything but that. But it is personal and it's real. And yet it's some, part of something bigger than me. Like as personal as my faith is, I recognize that it's part of a bigger picture. And we in the Western world, we're very individualistic. You know, we have a, a very me, I, my mentality and focus. Now at the time that this was written in kind of a Jewish Hebrew culture, it was, they were very much community, very much, so much more uh, relational in their language and in how they approach things. So, so in saying that, we were a part of something bigger than ourselves. It's personal, and yet it's bigger than that. Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Romans chapter 1, 17. I believe it'll be on the screens. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. Okay, so how, how are we made right before this God? This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. I mean, how exciting is that? I mean, that's, that shows the foundation, right? That shows how important faith is. It's through faith that a person is made right with God. And it's like start to finish. So when we wrestle with that eternity in our hearts, right? So when we're wrestling with that, that gap and that void and we're, and we're working through that, when we try to explore what it is to be human, when we consider our place in the world, we're not just dealing with the natural. We are dealing with the spiritual, with the supernatural. This void 
this eternity in our hearts cannot be satisfied with the temporal. When, when there's an eternal void, when there's eternity, when there's something beyond ourselves, there's something timeless, something supernatural within us, it can't be satisfied with just the natural. It's a question of faith. And it begins, it says how it begins and it finishes with faith, right? It's from beginning to end. If we look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, I read 11.1, but if we, if we go down a little bit further there in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it kind of shows how foundational faith is because it says this, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There's a gap. There's a point. There's like, it starts somewhere, but it's like there, there has to be that, that sense of to begin somewhere is to believe that God exists. Right? There, there's that creates that starting point for us. It's a point of decision. It's, it's a step of, you know, stepping beyond what we see. And it's to believe that he rewards those that earnestly seek him. It, it's like that trust moment, that faith moment that, that we believe if we actually reach out to something that we can't see, something eternal, something we can't measure, that when we do that in faith, that he will actually meet us there. And it begins a journey, a story, a, a, a life that is, is transformative, but it, it starts there. There's a step of faith. It's like, it's beyond the circle of light that we walk in. It's, it's beyond that knowing to where we're like, and it's not blind, it's not foolish, it's not, do you know what I mean? It's not reckless faith, but it's a sense of, no, I gotta start somewhere. All right, I'm gonna believe that there's a God and I'm gonna believe that that God actually desires to have a relationship with me. And I have faith that if I step, that he will be there, that, that he will greet me there. And so it begins with faith, point of decision. See, my faith is in him. And that's good because I cannot do this on my own. My faith is in him because I recognize my frailties, my weakness, my limits. And, and, and as I recognize who he is, that I recognize that he is who I need in that moment. I can't do it myself and none of us can. None of us can. We'll always be a little bit short. In Romans chapter 10, Paul writing to the church in Rome there. And Rome, and we just had a whole series on when in Rome. And it was like, if you want to go back and catch some of that, it's, it's online on our website, uh, faithhalifax.org. And it's like those, those messages are there and you can kind of catch up on that. But Romans is this incredible collection of Paul's writings that, that really explain the faith and so many foundational things. In Romans chapter 10, verse 5, it says, For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commandments. Okay, so under the Jewish law, in order to be made right with God, you had to obey all the commands. So that's one way. And I love this. Verse 6 says, but faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? 
And don't say, who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again? Right? So it's, this, it's not this sense of this need to send someone to heaven to somehow capture God's attention and bring him down. And it's also not some sort of a sense that God needs help to be resurrected from the dead. It's, like, it's, it's not like he's, you know, we talk about God being in heaven and, you know, like there's that distance. But, but what Paul's saying is there's like, don't get too caught up in that Gnostic thought. He says, in fact, it says in verse 8, the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and it's in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew, Gentile, all the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Wow. I mean, that's the gospel in a nutshell. By faith, by faith, it's like anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. My faith, our faith, as we call on his name. It's so simple and straightforward in some ways, but you know what? That's sort of what makes it more difficult sometimes. I don't know about you, but it's like sometimes with me, it's like it can't be that easy. It can't be that straightforward. It can't be that profound. And we've spent thousands of years in religious debate trying to figure out all the intricacies of different denominations and different belief systems and different iotas and, and all these different things to try to get just what. And I'm not, I, I mean, I'm a scholar myself. I'm not against that. I'm studying right now. But we have to realize that there is a profound element to this by faith that when we get there, the simplicity of it as a child can come and receive the kingdom. And sometimes we, we kind of think ourselves out of it because we complicate it too much. It's beyond us. It requires surrender. <laughs> to trust what we cannot see by faith. If you're here this morning and this is somewhat new to you, Maybe somebody convinced you that this is Thanksgiving, it's good to go to church, and you're like, okay, I'll come. <laughs> it seems so simple, but really it is. It's powerful for anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But there's a, there's a point of decision, there's a, there's a faith decision. And my prayer for all of us this morning, if you're here this morning and that's you, my prayer is that my faith can be our faith that what I believe can be what we believe. Mm. That you may know a personal relationship with God and the healing and purpose and joy and peace that goes with it, that transcends everything. And as I, as I mentioned earlier, it's like earlier, faith is bigger than us, right? It's, it's something that's, that's corporate. It's something that's, that's of, of more than just our own personal relationship. I want, listen to what Peter says in, in 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm going to start at verse 8. 
and read a few verses there. And uh, hey, look, it's already there. Thanks, Toby. <laughs> we will also be doing baptisms this morning, starting with your pastor. That's hilarious. There, there's a method to my madness. As I reached for the little thingy, I'm like, I'm not going to do that slurpy noise that I always do with the thing. I'm going to screw the lid off and just take a sip. And I was like, huh. never a dull moment with Pastor Glenn at the helm. Here we go. First Peter chapter five. Stay alert. Yes. Stay alert. Thanks, Debbie. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Your family, your faith family all over the world. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've, after you've suffered a little while, he will restore support and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Amen. I love that. Be strong in your faith. Resist the enemy, right? So you resist Satan. Be strong in your faith. And remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same stuff you are. It's bigger than us. It's my faith, but it's our faith. It's like, and so we're family here this morning. And you might think, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm adopted. But anyway, it's, a, right? But we're family. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. It's part of the strength of believing in God and coming together under that banner of, it doesn't matter what country you're from. It doesn't matter what background you're from. It doesn't matter what, what you've, you've believed in the past. But when we come together and we accept Jesus, when we come together under that banner of faith, we are family. And that's a powerful thing because it's part of that hunger that God puts inside of us. It's that hunger for him but it's that desire for community. Oh, I love how God puts things together. Your family, my family of faith, faith, city, church, my faith, my family. Faith is our foundation. City is our mission and church is our calling. We are made alive through faith in Christ. But it doesn't end there. Faith is, is a foundation that we build on too. It's, it's like it's a starting point. And, and I'm going to get into that. It's like, uh, uh, let's, let's read in James. James, he was the half-brother of Jesus. Same mother, different father. Yeah. It's okay. So James, James writes the Jewish believers scattered throughout the empire. And James is pretty straightforward. He is a straight shooter. In James chapter 2... He's been, he's been talking about faith and he's been talking about being believers and he's talked about all these different things. And so James in, in chapter two, verse 14, he says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Mm, thanks, James. Like that's, that's wonderful. That's very uplifting. 
What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Wow, I mean, that's questioning our salvation, our soteriology is the, is the word, right? It's like saying, wait, wait a minute, this is like, you're, you're questioning my faith? And James is saying, yeah, I'm questioning your faith. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you have a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye, have a good day, stay warm, eat well, God bless you. God bless you. Somebody want to get her a blanket? I think she might have a chill. No, just kidding. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? Oh, come on, James. I was on the way to work. I was in a hurry. I have a million things to do. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Okay, James, how do you really feel? Faith by itself, he's saying, guys, it's like, and this is pretty full on. And he says, now somebody might argue, but wait a minute, James, some people have faith and other people have good deeds. And James says, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? And he says, I will show my faith by my good deeds. Faith is our foundation, but faith is also a call to action. Faith is our foundation, but it's also our launching pad. See, faith bears fruit. It produces good deeds. Faith isn't a theory or an intellectual exercise for the spiritual elite. Faith is something that's practical. Faith is something that shows up in people's lives, and faith is something that bears fruit. That's pretty challenging, James. <laughs> yeah. But I want us to own it like James did this morning. I want us to own this thing. It's like we, we start at faith. We start in believing in God. We start, start in accepting God. But then, then there's this place of launching out. I will show my faith by my good deeds. I thank God that we're in a church that has living, vibrant faith. That we, as we gather together, we're a church committed to faith in action. <laughs> I love it that our van, the, the standing in the gap van, written right on the side of it, faith on the move. And then you go across the bay, back, faith on the move. Like it, it's, it's part of the DNA of the church. It's like we have faith, but it's like it's applied too. We, we, we engage with our city. We, we want to see it come forth. We want to take it out there. We're a church made up of, of people who own their faith and walk it. Walk in that faith and bring hope and light and the presence and power of God with them everywhere they go. It's part of who we are. Faith, it's a people who invest in the next generation and believe and raise up those coming after them. It's, it's, a, it's a faith, it's a people willing to find ways to engage with people around them that are far from God, bringing them the gospel and the hope. We see the need and we respond to the need. It's people who help newcomers in our city. It's people who sow finances into different initiatives to reach our city. It's people that help a neighbor shovel their snow in the, in the driveway during winter, which is not here yet and is a long way off. 
in faith in Jesus' name, right? Right? It's that practical aspect of what we believe. It's people who volunteer across the life of our church to see the mission fulfilled. Faith bears fruit. My faith, our faith, bears fruit in our city. And next week, we're, we're going to look at the second installment of this three-part series, My City. And it's about mission. It's a call to faith in action. And I'm excited to bring that. I'm going to ask the team to come back. As we consider this message, because I never want to just bring a, I never, I never just want to preach. I want to have an opportunity, I think, to, to examine our hearts and to challenge our hearts. So as we consider this message, I want to consider all of us to examine where we're at. When I think about my faith, when you think about your faith, where do you stand? Do you stand on the foundation of faith in Christ or are you yet undecided? Are you, are you in a place of walking something out or are you still in a place of exploring what it is? Can I encourage you today that for all of us, there is a step of faith that we all have to take and we all wrestle with and we all start somewhere. And I believe that for all of us, that place of beginning is that recognition of by faith, we believe that there is a God. So if you're here this morning and you believe there is a God, then you're amongst people that believe that as well. But I also want to take that a step further. For from there, that we recognize that Jesus was and is God's way of reconciling a sinful humanity to a holy God. And as we accept him as the leader of our lives and that he lived, died, and rose again to save us from our sin, we will be saved. So it's like, there's recognizing that there is a God, but that's, that's just the very beginning. But then from there, we're invited to actually take a step towards God. And we do that through Christ, through Jesus, because God is holy and we are not. You know, confessions of your carnal pastor, a pastor here this morning, like, I am not perfect. I'm not worthy. I'm not some, some kind of a super saint. I come to God on the same level that you do, a sinner saved by grace, someone that recognizes I am flawed, broken, and need Jesus. And so as we do that and recognize that he died for us, and, and we put our trust in that, we put our faith in that, believing that God accepts us for who we are through Christ, that we will be saved. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, no, my faith is good. I'm, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. Like I'm walking with him. But maybe, maybe you're challenged by Jesus or by James's statement that faith without works is dead, useless, useless. Ah, I mean, that's pretty strong language. That's in your face. That's like, that's challenging. But me included, may, may we always be willing to consider the fruit of our faith. For some, it may be just a greater awareness of the opportunities around us. For others, it may be a call to action. For others, it may be finding ways to engage with the people that we do life with and 
ways to reflect our faith in both practical and spiritual ways. For others, maybe it's volunteering. Maybe it's stepping up and saying, you know what, I've been kind of holding back. It's been like, you know, let somebody else do it. They're called. <laughs> but what is it for us? Because it's, it's my faith. It's, it's my faith in action. Wow, I just had a heart attack there. It's okay. It's my faith, but it's your faith. It's our faith. And so, can we stand together? Because I want us to, to respond to this. Because I want to pray for you. faith, our faith, your faith. God, I pray this morning that God, you would gently but profoundly open our eyes to see what you see. whether we're seeking you or whether we found you. But God, this morning, I just pray for those here that are, are wrestling, are undecided, are close yet holding back and resistant. But I just pray that your love, your compassion, your grace, would come on each one that's there and God you would draw hearts to yourself the people that are are maybe not even serving you they're not even they wouldn't even call themselves a Christian here this morning would recognize your love for them and respond to it in surrendering their lives to you and beginning this faith journey fresh and new and walk with you from here forward Lord this Thanksgiving 2019 would be a day that they celebrate year after year after year from that place of where they met you and they accepted you for the very first time. So God, do what you're doing by your spirit in our midst that way. And Lord, for, the, for those of us that are walking with you, God, and we recognize, man, there's sometimes that just, that works with, with doing stuff. It, it just gets inconvenient, God. It just doesn't fit into our agenda sometimes, Lord. It's like, it costs us something. It's like, we're busy. We got things to do, Lord. We're working for you. And God's saying, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So God, forgive us for those times when, when we've made our faith some sort of a badge of honor as opposed to a call to serve. So Lord, we thank you that, that you know you are at work in us and it's like you don't lay guilt trips on us, you don't condemn us, but Lord, you sometimes you give us a little, a little uh, incentive to go, hmm, maybe I need to think about that. So God, for those that are thinking about that right now, God, stir up something within us that our faith would be fruitful. 
that those around us would be affected by our faith, Lord, that, that our faith would be more than words and a belief system, but our faith would be a call to, to action, that it would be a, a platform that we build on, that it would be a springboard into our city, into our community, into our neighbors' lives, into our families, Lord, believing for transformation, believing that what you've placed within us by faith is enough. So God, use us for your glory. For we want you to be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been wrestling with that and if you've, you've thought about it, and even if you say, yeah, I, I, this, this Jesus thing here, this, this faith, I, I want to do that. I, I want to I respond to that. It's as simple as a prayer. But I also want to encourage you, there's a, there's a card in the seat back in front of you that's, that's uh, I believe it's blue and it says, follow Jesus. And if you want to, if you've made that decision or you want some help with that, we just encourage you to fill that out and it gives us a chance to be a come alongside you and walk that journey with you. So that's there if you so chose to do that and it just gives us a chance to pray for you and, and, and kind of follow up with that. But as we bask in this sense of who God is and in our faith, I want to draw your attention to the tables in the middle, even as we stand together. I'm so thankful for what Jesus has done for me, but our faith is it's what Jesus has done for all of us. And if you're here and you're a believer this morning, like it or not, we're family. And it's such a fitting time to celebrate communion together because communion is about community. It's written right in there. And in, 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 in the days when, when in the New Testament church early on, it was cool because it was actually a feast. Like they, they would come together and they would actually eat together. It wasn't a wafer and a, and a little juice. It was like they would have a meal together and they would celebrate together. And it was community. It was family. And it was a time to thank God. They, they did it on Sunday because it was resurrection day. It, it, was, it was like... He is risen, you know, and they'd share together and they would encourage one another. So as we come to this table, these tables, let's come with a sense of gratitude, thanksgiving, joy in what God has done for us, but let's do it as a family. Can you hear me? Like, hear what I'm saying? It's like, let's do this. It's like recognizing that what God has done for me, he's done for you. And what God's done for you, he's done for me. And, and that, that we come together and the love of God binds our hearts together. Strangers, neighbors, like people we haven't met yet. And yet we know we're, we have this in common. We come together with a common spirit around this table to thank God for what he's done. That's what communion's about today. That's why we gather today my faith, my relationship with God, your faith, your relationship with God, our family celebrating together, remembering, reflecting, and giving thanks for what he's done for us. God is good. <laughs>